Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But if you're going to be the host, you know, you have to have not just an appreciation of a person's brains. And all of us love to take final jeopardy. All of us. And, you know, I mean, all of us think in our minds, yeah, I'm going to wager it all because, yeah, I think I'm going to get it. What's the category? Shakespeare's feet? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wager it all anyway. I am. Because I know a little bit about Shakespeare, and he had a couple of feet. How tough can it be? This is General George Washington, <clears throat> and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Welcome to the show's Masters Week coverage. We will have Steve Sands on today from Augusta. We will have Barry's Verluga on tomorrow from Augusta. I want to mention, as I mentioned to you the other day, how much I am enjoying Gods at Play by Tom Callahan, which is, you know, a review of everything he's ever covered in his life. And it's just brilliant. The book is brilliant. Whoever blurbed it knew what they were doing. Um, it's called Gods at Play. I also want to commend to you in Golf Magazine this month, a story by Mike Crowley about him and his brother, Tim, who's had some health issues. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful, don't you think, Michael, it's a beautifully written story. He wrote the story about Michael and, and I at one point. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm reading into a story uh, written by Mike and, and about his relationship with his brother Tim. And this is something where over the last few years we've become friends. And this is happening on the other side where I knew some of it, but not all the details. And it just beautifully weaves in golf, the Masters, Pinehurst, just these, these bucket list trips and also the relationship between two brothers. And as I was reading this, I'm looking at my two boys who are now old enough to be roughhousing and playing and walkers inviting Henry over. And every night after dinner, they parade as animals around the kitchen and the living room. And I just see this adoration in Henry's eyes as Walker looks back at him and he gets to chase him. And, that, and that's what you read. And that's what yeah. I missed learning how to play golf. And I have that relationship with you, with my in-laws, but I didn't have a big brother to look up to on the driving range. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a brother or a sister. I didn't have any of that. And I didn't have a driving range. I didn't have that. I didn't have... But you had stickball. I had stickball. I had that. I had... <laughs> st I, and that's why I believe that sticks should be in the Toy Hall of Fame. Because they got... <laughs> Handball with a spalding. Uh, there, are, there are a bunch of things, a bunch of small things in sports that I do want to open with. Uh, they announced Managers of the Year, Don Mattingly in the National League for what he did with the Miami Marlins, who were beset with problems with the coronavirus, and he got them into the playoffs. Pitchers and I think off the street. Yeah, I think that's deserved. I think Don Mattingly deserves that. They got no squad, and he got them into the playoffs. And Kevin Cash got it in the American League for what he did with Tampa. They had the best record in the American League. Not as good as the Dodgers, but the best record in the American League. Will Bonds goes crazy about Kevin Cash because, because what we saw was Kevin Cash taking out Snell. And it didn't work out. But Kevin Cash knew his team pretty well and guided them pretty well. I, I, I think he was the clear manager well, of the year. In I'm the American looking forward League. to Wilbon going off on this at 530. But that's also the principles. You hear this with Jeff Ma with the analytic side. Just because it doesn't work out in this instance doesn't mean in, in the way that they play and the way they build their team that it's not the right play. Yeah, I, that's what I always thought. I always thought he knew the team. He knew the pitchers involved. You know, he got it wrong. But that didn't mean it wasn't based on the reality of his entire season. Tommy Heinsohn passed away, and Nigel is a Celtics fan, and I, I know that Celtics yeah. fans take this very, very hard because Tommy Heinsohn, Tommy Heinsohn was a, affiliated with the Celtics since the late 50s. He was a Hall of Fame player. He was, 
in those days, the first sort of power forward in NBA history. He played alongside Bob Cousy and Bill Russell, the greatest of the Celtics in the pre-Larry Bird era, and I would say the greatest of the Celtics of all time. Those two guys, Bill Russell and Bob Cousy, in that order. He played alongside them. He was on eight championship teams in nine years. He hurt his foot to such a degree that he had to stop playing. He was only about 32 or 33 years old. He became a coach. He won two championships. And then he became a broadcaster. And, and Nigel, I, I, I think that this is a fair word to use, that he was beloved as a broadcaster, right? For all those, it's like 40 years Absolutely. And and Celtics fans were really blessed because not only did Tommy Heinsohn, we had Johnny Most forever, who was another guy yes. who was just beloved. And and yeah, it was Rick a, Barry it, never <laughs> made a foul. He never committed a foul. Yeah, that just, is you know. gutless. That's gutless. <laughs> yeah, that's Johnny Most. So, so it was yeah, it was that was a tough loss. It really was. It was um, I, that's a good Johnny Most, isn't it? I that mean, was that's a how we Johnny Most. It yeah. Screams. Just screamed yeah. all the time. Um and Heinsohn is the only guy who had something to do with all 17 championships. Yes. The yes. Globe pointed this out in their obituary. As a player, as a coach, and as a broadcaster, he was involved with all 17. There's a, a, I, I had to write yesterday, and I had to write quickly because I found out that Tommy Heinsohn had died around, I don't know, 3.30, quarter to 4 and I had already written Happy Trails, and it was not about Tommy Heinsohn. So you have to juggle, and you have to write. And I wrote, I looked at the John Powers obit in, in the Boston Globe that Kelleher sent to me. And there's this one quote. He had worked with Mike Gorman for a million years. You might know Mike Gorman's work. He did the Big East for a long time. and did the Celtics 40 years, right? Gorman's done yeah. the Celtics forever. Right. And, yeah. and I don't have the quote exact, but it was something like, Tommy's not a regular color guy. Tommy, in his mind, is the coach of the Celtics. He's always been the coach of the Celtics. He'll be the coach of the Celtics until his last breath, which is how I ended, the, you know, the melancholy trails to Tommy Heinsohn. And, and that's who he was. He would hold court before home games all the time, talk to anybody, garrulous, affable guy, big guy, you know, six, seven, thick, right? I mean, he's a big guy. 86 years old, it reminds you, it reminds you that Cousy is older and Russell is the same age, you know, and you hope for their health, right? I mean, if you're a Boston guy, this is the thing you worry about now, isn't it? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, they're all getting to that age and 86 is a great run, but, but, oh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get bad news about Cousy and, and Russell eventually. At some but, point, uh, at but some point for some time. Um, the other story I, I, I wanted, I will tell the story tomorrow about Chessie and her latest animal uh, thing, who she went after yesterday, but I will tell that tomorrow because I wanted to get into the Tony LaRussa story. Tony LaRussa um, hired a big splashy hire um, to some people, not a good hire because Tony LaRussa hadn't been managing for a while, I guess, I don't know, over 10 years. It's the, one of the greatest managers of all time. He won World Series with Oakland. He won World Series with St. Louis. He got Chicago to the World Series, I believe, or maybe just to the playoffs. But he's one of the greatest of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's also 76 years old. And he was hired by Jerry Reinsdorf, the general partner of the 
Chicago White Sox because Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to correct an old wrong. Jerry Reinsdorf fired Tony La Russa before his great run started. And he always told people this was the largest regret in his professional life. And he wanted to get Tony La Russa back. Well, in that period of time when he was negotiating with Tony La Russa, it was made known to Jerry Reinsdorf. And it's his hire. There's nobody to lay this off on. It was made known to Jerry Reinsdorf that Tony La Russa had been arrested on a DUI in Arizona in February. The day before the hiring was announced, Tony La Russa was apparently formally charged with this DUI. Not his first, at least his second. And after the first one, he had said this will never happen again. And when you say it'll never happen again, you take lengths to make sure it doesn't happen again. And what you do when you're famous is you hire a driver. That's what you do. You say, I'm not, I don't want to be in this situation. If I go out at night, I, I don't want anything to happen, so I'm going to bring a driver. Obviously, he did not have a driver at that particular point. I'm an old man, and I looked at the Larusa hire as a very, very sweet story. I don't have that. I, I, I still feel it's a very, very sweet story, but now I look at it slightly differently, and I don't know that he's actually going to manage the Chicago White Sox, but I'll ask somebody far younger than I, my son, how you view this story. So why does this change your, your view on the story? I mean, to me, it's still a two, sweet story. To me, these are two separate issues. Yes, it's still a sweet story, but I don't think he's going to manage. I think Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony LaRusso will sit down and one or the other or both well, will say you, it's not going to work. That's why you look at the, the sort of um, the charge date and then also the mounting story where you had a lot of pressure from around baseball, not just, you know, not just in the fan base, but maybe it's in the clubhouse. Everyone's looking at it, and the big question yeah, is... Dave Shinen's been right. From the moment relate, this happened, Shinen wrote, this is a bad hire. Right, so can he relate to a younger generation? Can he relate to today's players and what they have? And this is sort of... There are echoes of just sort of old-world sports, old-world you know, male privilege as to, can I get away with this or can I do this? And again, I don't know enough about this story, but again, it's separate issues. I don't... I don't think this has anything to do with his ability to manage Nor the do team I. or to, to manage these kids. It, it sort of is just what sort of power and sway is on the other side as if there's just so much noise that it just says it's not worth it to, to, to sort of finish this storyline. I think that Jerry Reinsdorf has to listen to what is being said in Chicago. Baseball is a local sport. Listen to what his constituency says. It would not surprise me at all if people in Chicago basically said something like this. How can he manage your team if he can't manage himself? You know, are you sure this is the right thing to do? It will not surprise me at all if Tony LaRusso says or and, and you know, if he says it's not going to work, Jerry, it's not going to work. Thanks so much. Maybe there's another role on the team, but field manager is not going to work right now. Or if Jerry Reinsdorf says, Tony, it's not going to work. I, I still think it's a sweet story. But it is now, I think it's sort of overcome by this news and by LaRusso's, you know, it's essentially, don't you know who I am? Right. The quote that they're running is what makes it bad. Yeah. Do you know who I am? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, Hall a, Hall of of I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. Yeah. Did he yeah. say Hall of Famer or Wall of Famer? He said, he did, no, he's not a Waff. Oh, he's a he's just a Hoff. Yeah. He's a Hoff. I would have said... I'm a half waff, you know. <laughs> now I know we I know we got yeah. Sands, but can I get like 90 seconds of run on the Masters? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, hello, ahead. friends. Hello, friends. We have our first November Masters. Uh, I know he's going to go off in the tournament, who he thinks might win. But big thing I want to be looking at is we have split tee times for the first time ever, and we we have to remember that Augusta used to start on the back nine. Number ten used to be number one, and the hardest three hole stretch 
10, 11, 12. Can you imagine showing up to the Masters, thunderstorms in the forecast for your 745 tee time? Let's just pull it out there, starting on number 10, and you get to number 12, a comfortable one or two over par, which is very reasonable, and then looking forward to 13 and 15, thinking they aren't just the back pocket birdies they normally are. It's going to play really long. It's going to play really wet. I don't know how they finished the first day on time, which just affects everything, and CBS's plans trying to get out of the way for college football and the NFL on Sunday. Well, so they run it on Monday. It's the Masters. Why don't they just run it next week when the weather you know, looks beautiful? Yeah, I, I mean, they. there's no... People need to understand what I'm going to say now. There is no sporting event in the United States of stature which is controlled in the way that the Masters is controlled by the people at Augusta. And they can do what they want. As we saw some years back with uh, something Burke, what was Burke's first name? The woman who said... Martha Burke. Martha, Martha Burke. Burke who just said, hey, you know, it's, you know, we're going to march and we're going to shut it down and we're going to get all your advertisers. And the people at the Masters at Augusta said, you know what? We don't need advertising and we don't need you. We'll go commercial free. <laughs> yeah, the one thing they can control, you see the, the, the Bermuda grass is still fighting with the rye. So it'll be interesting to see how the runoffs play. And just kudos to the to the committee and to the club, the Lee Elder News for the honorary starter. Very nice. And the scholarships that they are putting in his name. It's a wonderful story. A little late to the game, but it's better to get there late than never. That's right. Um, Nigel, you had a correction you told me before we started. Oh, yes. Well, we were talking about the passing of Alex Trebek, uh, or Alec Trebek um, the other day, and we're talking Alex. about the movie. Is it Alex or Alec? I always Alex. get that wrong. Um, and we were talking about the... Sh Kurt. Yes, we were talking about the, the, the movie Quiz Show uh, and Herb yes. Stemple, and you referenced The movie it. Quiz Show, which I said was written by my former colleague Paul Adonazio, which I said was a great movie, and I said people ought to watch the movie now. Because right. it's great. Yeah, it, because yes. it is. And as, as you referenced, John Turturro played Herb Stemple, and you said, who Stemple. passed away recently. Herb Stemple had, passed away within the last year. Yes. Yeah, it was in April of this year. So uh, yes. and we, we had about 4,000 emails from people saying, no, John Turturro's not dead. We I know didn't that. say he was dead. <laughs> he he's not dead. Reference. I know he's not yes. dead. Herb Stemple, <laughs> I said, was dead. This is like yes. bingo. You know, and bingo was his name or, or the thing about Yankee Doodle. I know what I was defining. I was defining Herb Stemple, not John yes. Turturro. Yes. Thanks. So I just want to make sure we had that straight. So we're not reading any of those on the air because I, you know, that was <laughs> no, not, that was not a mistake. Names. That was not a mistake. All right. We will come back with Steve Sands uh, live from Augusta. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Uh, this is a Simply Safe ad. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, whether it's from a break in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security delivers award winning 24 7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need the most straight to your door. Simply Safe has sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Michael and Nigel set it up in our former studio. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over monitoring your home 24-7, ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. And right now, listeners to this high-quality podcast get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at Simply Safe. Dot com slash Tony, S-I-M-P-L-I, by the way. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. 
Visit simplysafe.com slash Tony for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Aaron Harland, a friend of Evan Samuels. He reached out saying how much he loves you and I should submit his submit my songs to your show here. I think it's great what you're doing for indie artists out there. They really need the support, especially right now. I have a couple of songs. One is called Make It and the other is Dakota Ring, I'm Not Mad. This for the Steve Sands rejoin is Make It. This is Aaron Harland. Beautiful, beautiful voice. God, I wish I was good at music. Steve Sands joins us now. He is at Augusta. There's a million questions. And we'll start, I guess, with, I would imagine if you are in Augusta, Georgia, the two largest topics of conversation at the moment are weather forecasts and Bryson DeChambeau. Am I wrong on that? Is there something more pressing than those? They had the two Senate runoffs in this state, perhaps, would, would okay. take precedent over those two. But you know, we'll, we'll just dive into sports, Tony. And uh, the DeChambeau attention-seeking um, from every player, uh, from every reporter, asking every player about Bryson is so fascinating. Uh, the guys have handled it well. Uh, they've answered a lot of questions about Bryson. And then Bryson got in to the press building yesterday and just, you know, was very Bryson-like, uh, very open and honest, and he was terrific. And then the weather, you know, it is what it is, Tony. I mean, we, it's it's very spring-like here. It's hot. It is hot. It's warm. It's humid. Uh, showers all day today. Uh, supposed to be heavy rain overnight and tomorrow as well. Uh, but it gets better over the weekend. So, yeah, weather in Bryson probably. It's amazing that Tiger Woods is the defending champion, yet Bryson is the top story. It's amazing. I'm going to get to Tiger in a second. The, the question, the first question I have is, will they truck in azaleas just for grins? Will they no, do that? I would, no, 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 no. You would truck in azaleas to your yard and your second house. Augusta flies them in from the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> okay. you, don't, you don't truck anything in here, Tony. Come on, you know better than that. But I thought the history at one point of that piece of land was that it was a nursery, a plant nursery. Am I wrong on that? No, no question. It was it was a nursery before Clifford Roberts and Bobby Jones uh, co-founded yeah. Augusta National, and that's where they get uh, all their azaleas and all of their you know beautiful pine trees that they move around uh, when they need to. But in this case, in November, uh, it's really hard to grow azaleas uh, in this part of the world at this time. Uh, so they, uh, how do we say, it? they imported them to make it be very colorful for everybody on television uh, the next five days. But, but you, you'll get to see different trees shine. So number 10, Camellia, is going to be beautiful, and that's a late winter uh, plant that we see up here. Yeah, I mean, I'm standing here right now to the left side. I'm about 350 yards on the left side of the range in the tournament practice area, Michael. And it, it, I'm looking up at the trees right now, and literally for the first time ever at the Masters, not only do you have those beautiful tall Georgia pines, but you also have some fall foliage, and you have some leaves yeah. on the ground. Uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating scene. It'll be it's interesting to see how it looks placed. on TV. Oh yo, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure they have workers go out early in the morning and put the leaves in the correct spot so that everybody can <laughs> yes, see them. Yes. yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right, you know a bunch of members there. I'm asking a members question: Are they <laughs> okay. nervous? 
at the prospect that DeChambeau could overpower the most famous holy course in the United States of America? No, they're not nervous that he's going to overpower the course. What they are uh, interested in is and fascinated in is to see how he goes about his business. Now, he has said that he's going to hit a 48-inch driver and has said that he is going That's the limit, by the way, that you're allowed right. to, to use a 48-inch driver. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to test it again today. But it sounded like he backed away from that yesterday. But, you know, for, for those of us watching and for the members who might have a little trepidation about it, he, he's not going to bring it to its knees in that regard. He can hit the ball far with his 45-and-a-half-inch driver. He doesn't need to hit the 48-inch driver. So I think they're more fascinated, Tony, uh, than they are nervous. Uh, I don't think – remember when, when – it was Mike Weir and Trevor Emmelman and Zach Johnson won in the mid-2000s. That's because they tiger-proof, in, in quote-unquote, tiger-proof yes. the golf course for the Masters. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to Bryson-proof it uh, after what they see this week. We'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But if he goes out there and has wedge and nine-iron on holes that you're not supposed to have wedge and nine-iron, they'll, they'll make adjustments. Okay. Those those Weir and Johnson years also happened to be when you had a very wet and long playing yep. Masters, which even with the warm weather, you should see it playing long. Yo, man, this place is going to be so long. It's soft. Uh, the golf course was soft coming into the week, and as I'm standing here right now, uh, it's kind of misting. Uh, it rained heavy overnight. Uh, there's water everywhere. Uh, they do have the sub-air system uh, all throughout the golf course, not just on the green, so they can suck the moisture out as much as they can. Um, as much as they want, actually. But if right. it continues to rain, then there's no debate on how the golf course will play. It's already soft, um, and they're expecting more rain today and tomorrow uh, and throughout the rest of the week. So it's going to be really long. And then those guys, by the way, like Zach Johnson famously, they have four par fives here, Michael and Tony, and they have, I mean 16 if you make the cut uh, for the week. He laid up on all 16 of the par fives. That's never been done before by a winner at the Masters, and Zach went on to win that year in the mid-2000s. So uh, they're not going to do that this week. The game is, is completely different than it was 15 years ago. However, it is going to be a very, very long golf course. You mentioned Tiger before and the incredulity of the fact that nobody's talking about Tiger because they're all talking about DeChambeau. Is there any sense that Tiger is a real candidate to repeat because he knows the course so well and has done so well there? Or is it that sense that he got this last major, that's it for him, he cannot win again? It's a little bit of both. Um, to use a football analogy, Tony, does he have another Hail Mary left in him? Uh, um, what he's done recently on the PGA Tour uh, would not suggest that he has any type of game uh, or health, for that matter, uh, coming into this week. However, more than any other course, more than any other tournament on the planet, this course, success comes from familiarity. And he knows this golf course better than anybody uh, in the field. He also knows that he's won it five times, which means everybody else knows that he's won it five times. And if he can do what he did last year, remember, he shouldn't have won last year. You know, Francesco Molinari had a two-shot lead on the yes. 12 tee. Kepka was there. Shoffley was there. Cantley had the lead all by himself after he eagled the 15th when he walked to the 16th hole. It's, his experience kind of played its way out. He kind of hovered around that leaderboard, sitting around two shots back, and then all of a sudden everybody fell apart on the back nine on Sunday. If he can do that, 
then perhaps uh, he could he could slip on a six screen jacket. But I, I don't think he has four great days in him this week. I just I just think somebody's going to go out tomorrow and shoot sixty five or sixty six on a pretty soft golf course. Remember, wind bothers these guys. Rain does not. So if it's raining tomorrow and it's not windy, there's not a breath of wind right now. Uh, it won't bother them that much. Uh, it's a it's a nuisance a little bit to have you know that kind of rain falling. But if there's no wind, someone's going to shoot 66 tomorrow. I just don't see Tiger getting off to that fast of a start, uh, and I just think he'll be behind the eight ball uh, throughout the week. Now let me give you two small point questions that probably a lot of people care about. To accommodate an earlier sunset than they normally have, what are right. they doing? How are the plans changed for that? First time they've ever had split tees and threes scheduled um, going into the week. So that means that instead of everybody going off on the first tee uh, like they normally would at the Masters, only 93 players here. They always go out on the first tee and play 1 through 18. This right. week on Thursday and Friday, they're going to have two waves, early and late, and they're also going to have threes instead of two. So they won't be playing in pairs. They'll be playing in threes, and they'll be playing off 10 and 1. Uh, and then they'll reverse on th- on Friday so that everybody plays either beginning on 1 or beginning on 10, early or late. And then on Saturday and Sunday, uh, they're going to go early. It's two and a half hours less uh, sunlight this time of year than there is at the Masters' normal week in second week of April. So it's going to end around 5 o'clock on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's going to end the same thing it did yesterday. And this is all weather related. You know, hopefully the weather holds out. But it's supposed to end around 2.30 or 3 o'clock. For the um, NFL. So yeah, they were, for the yeah. NFL on CBS at, at the 4 o'clock sure. games so they can get out of the way in case there's a playoff, that kind of thing. But the interesting thing is they did that last year. Uh, remember, there was bad weather. Tiger won around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon last year. So it's going to be the same finish as last year, except this time it's scheduled. Last year it was weather-related. And, and another small question. Nobody, nothing in sports does the business in apparel, in hats and shirts and memorabilia than the Masters. Do you get a sense that because this is November, will they actually put on anything November 2020? Is there any sense that that there's a special quality to this that will sell out the tent even quicker than normal? Well, they're going to sell out the merchandise because they had so much of it ready to go in April um, you know, they had their full complement uh, of their merchandise. So they're going to put it online uh, for the patrons first who had tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, like the, the shop is open here. If you guys want something, I can go get it for you. Send it to you. <laughs> it's, it's kind of bizarre. There's nobody here, yet the shop is open. Um, and I, I walked by it yesterday. I was like, man. Michael's, Michael's grinning. Michael's yeah. grinning. He wants something. You know, He'll afterwards like it, talk Michael. to Michael text. after we're done. Yeah. I'll text you. you text yeah. me. Whatever you need, Michael. Just text me whatever you want. I'm happy to pick That's it up. So great. And uh, so, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to do. See what what they do wonderfully here is tradition and honor, and they don't like to change things that work. And everything here seemingly works so well. They're not going to put November on there. They're not going to do anything like that. It's just going to be one of those years where people who can get their hands on merchandise will be like, man, that was the one that was played in November with no fans. Uh, but it will not say uh, November. It will not say no patrons, nothing like that. I guess there's an obligatory question about there not being any fans and who that helps. Matthew Wolf, I watched him on TV. He said that would help him. Maybe it helps the younger guys. Is, is, is this a significant thing in, in terms of competition to you? No, no fans? You, 
It would have been, Tony, if it was back in May when the PGA Tour first came back at Colonial and everybody was like, wow, this is so bizarre. The players are used to this now. This has been going on yeah. for months, playing in front of no fans, no energy. Jordan Spieth will tell you, uh, the 2015 Masters champion, that it's easier, he thinks, to win uh, with no fans. Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy have said in the past that they've had a hard time concentrating because they're so used to having thousands of fans uh, screaming and yelling at every shot and every time they take a step uh, down the fairway that they've had a hard time concentrating uh, with leads, uh, and they both have lost leads uh, during this time period. We've come back and seen professional golf at the highest level since COVID-19 happened. So it depends on, on the way you look at it. To me, I think McElroy, um he's won four major championships. All four of them have had weather delays. All four of them have had soft golf courses. The golf course is soft. Whether there'll be a delay this week, who knows? But he's four for four in majors like that. And I think with no fans, this being his sixth attempt at winning the career grand slam here at Augusta since he won the PGA Championship at Valhalla in 2014 in Louisville, I think he's got a good opportunity here to kind of sneak in under the radar. It's DeChambeau. It's it's other players like Dustin Johnson's number one. Yeah. And, yeah. Tigers defending. Who's really talking about rules? There are no fans here. It's November. Uh, you know, maybe he sneaks in under the radar and puts himself in the mix to try to slip on that green jacket for the first time. Okay. Sands, I would say but this. Yeah, addition... I, think no fans, I think no fans helps certain guys, Tony. It depends on your personality. Most guys love the energy and the juice that fans provide, but some guys perhaps are more comfortable uh, in the silence. If you look at the way particularly Congressional played for Rory, and that was after he had the heartbreak at Augusta, the green yep. should be a lot friendlier for somebody like him, also a guy like DJ, where sometimes they have to be a little tentative. But this place holds a special spot for Rory, even though he has not won yet. You hear him talk about the father-son trips. You hear about his relationships with some of the members. And it's hard to forget, when you know, this summer he was looking forward to ha- welcoming their first child, and his little girl's now old enough where he's ready to get back and win. Yeah, well, there's no question. Look, I was joking yesterday on the air that it's the first time he's ever played at the Masters as a father, and perhaps his daughter Poppy will push him across the finish line uh, this week. It, there's no question uh, that if he drives the ball the way he's supposed to drive the ball, Michael, and he gets on these greens where in years past he's perhaps not putted very well, these greens are definitely better for him this week than they would be at any other time. A soft golf course is good for Rory McIlroy. He is the I've told you guys this before. He's the most American European player who's ever come across to the PGA Tour and had great success. Now, obviously, he's an all-time great player, but anybody who's ever come here from Europe and had success, they've always played European-style golf. Crazy wind, low ball flight, that type of thing. Rory grew up in the Tiger era where Tiger was his hero. Rory played a lot of amateur golf here in the United States before turning professional and coming over here to play regularly. And he loves playing soft golf courses. He is as American as any European out there, and this week should bode well for him. It's a great chance for him. Uh, before I let you go, you have to tell a story that your brother Michael told me the other day through texting. <laughs> it's your Joe Biden story. Tell the Biden story, please. Well, after the 2013 uh, U.S. Open uh, at Marion when Justin Rose won, 
Uh, drove down from Philadelphia home to D.C. to see my mom and dad. Uh, Valerie and the boys were there. And Webb Simpson was doing an outing at RTJ, Robert Trent Jones, um, on that Monday. And I was asked to MC it. So I go out there. We're doing the event. We're doing a clinic out on the practice putting green, that kind of thing. I look all the way out to the water. And on the ninth green, there must have been 50 people, it looked like, playing golf. And I was like, man, that, that's a crazy deal. So I said to Carrie, who's the head pro at the time, who's now down at the medalist, I said, hey, what's going on out there? He goes, oh, that's Vice President Joe Biden. Sitting Vice President Joe Biden was playing golf, and there was Secret Service everywhere. And you know what that's like playing with President Obama and mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm like, man, I would love to meet him, man. I mean, not to give away my ideology, but when you grow up on 31st Street, Northwest D.C., you know, you pretty much don't have a chance to be one way uh, or the other. You pretty much are going to be the way your parents raised you. So I said, man, I've been voting for that guy since 1988, and he's a vice president. I've never met him. I would love to meet him. And Valerie is from, my wife Valerie, is from Delaware. He was, of course, the sitting senator yes. in Delaware before becoming the vice president. So anyway, so Kerry's like, yeah, wait around. Okay. Secret Service won't mind. You'll be with me. No big deal. So he all of a sudden he comes over, introduced myself. Now, the day before, I'm doing the U.S. Open on NBC. I had no idea Joe Biden was a golf fan, a sports fan, anything. He's like, hey, he's kind of points at me, you know, huge personality, the smile, the way you think, you know, all politicians would be when you meet him in person. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here? He goes, you were just in Philly yesterday. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm here with Webb Simpson, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just kind of laughing, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy actually watches the U.S. Open. But anyway, so I said to him, I go, hey, Mr., you know, Vice President Biden, my, my wife is from Delaware. Um, I've been voting for you for a long time. I said, I, I just want to tell you, I'm a big fan, and, uh, and I, I wish you all the best. And he goes, your wife's from Delaware? Where's she from? I said, she's from Newark. He goes, oh, she must be from Delaware if you're saying Newark correctly, because it's not Newark. That's Jersey. It's Newark. That's Delaware. I go, yeah. He goes, Let's call her. And I'm like, um, okay. I, you know, <laughs> he's a vice president. And I'm like, uh, okay. So he pulls out his phone, literally out of his pocket, and goes, hey, what's her number? He dials four numbers, and one of his aides or somebody there goes, uh, Mr. Vice President, maybe we ought to use his phone, not yours. He goes, oh, yeah, great idea, great idea. So he, <laughs> he says, come on, call your wife. So I take out my phone. Then I call. I don't warn Val. I just say, okay. I, I hit dial, and he grabs the phone, and he looks at me, and we're all standing there having a good time. And he goes, you know, he puts his, his hand over the phone and goes, what's her name? I go, Valerie. And he goes, Valerie? I go, yeah, Valerie. The phone's ringing. You can hear it ringing. He says it three times back and forth with me. Valerie? Yeah, Valerie. Valerie? Yeah, Valerie. Valerie? Yes, Valerie. <laughs> you could hear Val answer the phone, hello, thinking it's me. And Biden, who had just asked her name for the last minute, Valerie, three times from me and him. So six times it was said out loud. You hear Val go, hello. And he says, Vicky. (laughs) 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 And we all start laughing. I mean, we are laughing so hard. Valerie has no idea who it is. They chat for like five or ten minutes about Delaware, about all kinds of things. The The end of the story is... He looks and goes, hey, how old are your sons? And at the time, this is 2013, our kids were like 12, 10, and 8. And I, he goes, you guys need to come to a White House visit. And I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. He goes, I'm going to have a couple of my aides call you. Sure enough, a couple of days later, an aide or two calls, sets up this incredible White House visit when we came back 
to go home for Thanksgiving to see my mom and dad for Thanksgiving and the whole family. We did this incredible picture of the Oval Office and the whole thing in Mr. Uh, the Vice President's office, and that was our holiday card. So, so great. Whether whether you like him or dislike him, it's like Obama, it's like Clinton, it's like Bush and like Senior Bush before he passed away. It's amazing. Doesn't matter what your ideology is. It's amazing the personalities these politicians have. Uh, they they're just incredible to be around. But it was. Pretty funny to hear him, yeah. You know, say again, all these gaps he makes now. That was the original gap that I saw in person with the Vicky and the Valerie. Tremendous, tremendous. All right, have a great time in Augusta. We will talk to you soon. Thank right, you, guys, Steve. Way, D- Dustin Johnson's going to be the winner, by the way. Okay, Dustin Johnson, not Rory. I thought you were on Rory just now. No, no, I'm always on Rory with you guys. I think Dustin's going to be the winner. He, he played very well the last uh, right. few days. Make sure he doesn't he's slip in his socks. Yeah, yeah. make sure <laughs> yeah. yeah, when he walks down the house, uh, big banister. <laughs> they're, they're renting, um, do me a favor. The house, they're renting the same house, by the way. Well, that's right, insane. It's carpeted now. Yeah. Uh, say hi to the great <laughs> Jimmy Dunn for me when you see him, okay? Ah, Jimmy's a legend. Love him. Okay. Michael, see text, ya. Michael, text me what you want, bud. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Steve Sands, boys and girls. Just wonderful. Makes me so happy. Uh, we will take a break when we come back. Is it Chuck Todd when we come back? Yes, I think it's Chuck Todd when we come back. That's I right. am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Lincoln Financial ad. I like to read it because it's well written. Not, hey, everyone. This new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest to how to make sourdough bread, which both Elizabeth and Michael can and have made, to how excited we are that football's finally back and that last one's important, to even talking about what Michael should ask Steve Sands to get from the tent at, uh, at Augusta. So he has a 2020. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. Yeah, but I can watch her chase animals. Go on the hunt, as it were. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still have not had, your financial plans. So find time to talk to your loved ones about it. Because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you get the right questions to start your conversation at LincolnFinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Erin Harland. She's an independent singer. She's terrific. The first song we played was called Make It. This song is called Decoder Ring, I'm Not Mad. She's got a little Taylor Swift in her, right? Yeah. Like a little? A little. Pretty good. <laughs> the talent level that sends their music in. Michael, if people like Aaron Harlan want to send in their music, their original music, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And you can listen at the end of the podcast to this in its entirety without me talking over it like a clown. And it's much better that way. She plays in Chuck Todd. There's some questions we need to ask Chuck Todd before we get to the meat of the show. The first question, I guess, is have you gotten enough sleep lately? Because you were on for four straight days. Have you gotten sleep? Uh, I, I third straight night of, of at least seven hours. So yeah, it's um, it's it's I'm almost human uh, at this point. So it's kind of nice. That's I'm good. Yeah. Um, is the election in fact over? Except for the shouting, is it over? Um, well, I, Georgia Senate and those runoffs 
um, are one of the reasons why it doesn't feel over. Um, that's right. what this is all about, right? This is all about keeping the president engaged, keeping his people engaged. Um, that's not an insignificant sort of overtime, if you will, sort of a, a election extension. Um, so over, I think, I think it's o- technically over, but the shouting, the shouting's going to go on. I mean, I don't know if Donald Trump and Joe Biden will ever physically see each other between now and January 20th. How's that? Really? Yeah. Wow. That I mean, wow. Is is Biden? He. I will say this. I still think that he. You know, he is a heat-seeking missile to media attention, and right. I do think in that last few days, when when the president-elect gets all this extra attention, he's going to want a piece of that action. Right. So for, by then, maybe he will, you know, come around and and try to try to participate in some of that ceremonial. But I wouldn't. But it also wouldn't shock me if, you know, it's Mike Pence. That sort of you know gives them the keys. Is there <laughs> is there a real impediment? Is is there an active and real impediment to this transition at the moment? Not at the moment. I would okay. say another week of this. You know, Joe Biden. By the way, if you've seen the keys, basically saying, "Hey, it's okay." You know, it's not like we don't know where where everything is. You know what I mean? He's been there before. It, yeah. This isn't somebody who doesn't know. Um, well, the ins and outs of the federal government. So you could say, but, you know, you start getting another couple of weeks and, and on national security, it really becomes problematic. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. And now we'll get to mm-hmm. the business at hand, which is picking games. You had a relatively good week. You were four and three. You are at the moment, 31 and 31. You are at Mount 500. Here are the games this week. Indianapolis, a team that I think is sort of disappointing when they have big games. Me personally, I don't, I don't know that they rise to the occasion. And I know you don't like Philip Rivers at all, and you won on that last week. Indianapolis getting two at Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, um, I like the Indianapolis defense in keeping Derrick Henry in check. Right. Um, but, I, you know, it's hard, to, it's, hard to bet on, it's hard to bet on Rivers. By the way, what would the Colts have been if Luck doesn't get hurt? Do they, Colts, do they very it? good. Yes, yeah, very good. Know, I mean, everything, they have everything else on that team. You know, they, they seem to have everything they need except a serviceable quarterback, and that's all they're needing is a serviceable one. I mean, if they can't even, Phillip Rivers can't throw the Hail Mary. No, nope, can't get it there. They, they got to bring in the backup. Oh, whoa, there's three seconds left. Let's bring in the backup for the big 45-yard heave. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Tennessee. I don't love it. Because of, of, but I'll, I'll take Tennessee because of the Rivers' angle. Tampa Bay has dropped from a minus six to a minus four and a half at Carolina. I don't really know why they were minus six to begin with. This is a division game. Carolina doesn't have a good record, but they are a competitive team. I'm looking for a Brady bounce back, but I will be honest in saying there have been a lot of games where he looked 33. He looked all of 43 against New Orleans. They dropped him. That was terrible. Tampa Bay minus four and a half on the road. Who you got? So there's a Teddy Bridgewater stat in his 40, I guess it would be now 45 NFL starts. He's 34 and 11 against the spread. Wow. How's that? Wow. How's that? That was an amazing stat that I read. Some absurd stat um, like that. Um, And I love them when they're an underdog. Carolina, I don't trust as a favorite, but 
a home underdog, and as you said, divisional game. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll give give me the points. Okay. Give me Carolina points. Buffalo is getting two and a half at Arizona. Buffalo is coming out of a big time win at home against Seattle. Arizona lost close to Miami. Arizona's good, and they're going to get better. Miami is good and going to get better. I am surprised that Buffalo is plus two and a half. It is real respect for Arizona. Who you got? Did you see the, uh, apparently they said because it was warm, the warmer it is, the better for Josh Allen. And that's why he performed so well um, in this weirdly warm week in Buffalo. Well, that's going to be bad for him in December then because it's not warm. A, I'm, yes, but B, I was thinking about, oh, they're playing Arizona this week. Yeah, that's warm. So yeah. that's what um, – I just think Buffalo has more uh, – I look, by the way, this could be the game, of the, the game of the weekend to watch. Josh Allen versus Kyler Murray. I mean – Kyler Murray saw, is – can't take saw, your eyes off him. He's great. No. Well, but you just saw uh, Josh Allen and Russ Wilson. That's right. right. That was a hell of a game. So this is going to be one that um, – Red zone's going to sit on for – it's going to be hard to take your red zone eyes off of. Um, give me Buffalo um, because I think they just have a – they're just a little bit better everywhere. Um, and Kyler Murray is a one-man team. You know, he's the third best running back in the NFL, I think. Did I, re- I think I've read that right where if he were just a running back, he would be the third most valuable running back in fantasy, I think. He like has that. the. Uh, I know this statistic because I used it the other day, and it hasn't washed yeah. out of my brain yet. He is the eighth most. He's got the eighth most yards of any running back. The eighth That's most, and he's not a running back. Right. Like it, people have to understand that. That's not his job, and it's number eight at the moment. So he's yeah. he's fun to watch. There's a bunch of guys fun to watch, yeah, and he's particularly fun to watch because he's about five two. You know, he's, he's so small. There's yeah, so much fun good. to watch right now. Yeah. Seattle, which got pounded on the road uh, across the country, goes back home. Well, at least on the West Coast. They're on the West Coast, at least. Or they're at the Los Angeles Rams. Seattle now getting a point and a half in a divisional game against the Rams. Might be a must-win game for the Rams. Might be. Who you got? You could argue it's also getting there for the Seahawks. Did they fire, did they fire the defensive coordinator, or was there just a, a petition? To, like, my son told I don't me know. like this. Massive petition to fire the defensive coordinator in Seattle. They have the third worst defense in all of football, and this is a Pete Carroll team. That it's hard to reconcile that. It really yeah. is. Yeah, they can't get any pressure. I mean, and that you know that Josh Allen, you know, you give him time. My gosh, mm-hmm. he showed you what happened. Um, give me the Rams because they have the better defense. As simple as that. In a divisional game that you need to. And I, I think you're right. The Rams can't afford – the rest of their schedule gets even harder. I mean, they cannot afford to be falling two games behind, I think, in this in this division. Okay. Um, Baltimore, they reduced this from 7.5 to 7. They're a 7-point favorite on the road at New England. Uh, I made this comment yesterday that all the morning shows yesterday were talking about can New England get back in the race. And you want to say – just pump the brakes a little bit, Sparky. They went to the last second of the game to beat a winless team on a 51-yard field goal. If you think that that means they can get back in the race, you are not paying attention to football. That's my personal prejudice. That doesn't mean I don't think they can win the game. But Baltimore went from 7.5 to 7 just recently. Who you got? Yeah, I don't get, that. Yeah, I don't get do that. I, I love the Ravens here. They beat up at – they beat – 
they beat bad teams well, right? The Ravens have struggled against the other really good teams, right? They've lost Pittsburgh. They've lost to Kansas City. But they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and, I, and, and they usually do it with a little bit of distance. This is one where if, I assume this will be a double-digit one. I, I'm with you on this one. I am. Um, this is the oddest spread to me, what I'm going to say now. Minnesota, which has won, I think, three games all year, is on the road at Chicago, a divisional game. Minnesota is giving two and a half. This is people saying of Chicago, you stink. Your record is inflated. We hate you with the fury of a thousand suns. I, I, I'm stunned by this. Um, you know, this is the division you pay attention to. So what do you got in this one? I'm, uh, I'm going to irritate, you know, one of, your, one of your fans is the former chief of staff to the president, President Obama, Dennis McDonald. Yeah, yeah. He's a huge, he's a huge Vikings fan. And every time I take my, when I, when I take a Kirk Cousins shot, which is what's coming, um, <laughs> he, he loves, he loves, he loves to, loves to, uh, give me, give me, uh, give me crap about it. But, uh, I, um, this is just when you should back off of betting on the Vikings, right? Just when they're finally being treated as a favorite. Cause now it's Kirk. Now you have to ask yourself, okay, the bears defense, they're going to stop Dalvin cook. Right. If you're if you if you're going to do one thing, what are you going to do? Slow you got to stop him. Make, yes. And make yes. Cousins beat you. And That's I think right. the Bears defense is good enough to try to make Cousins beat them. And every look, I want to write the Bears off, but their defense is good enough to keep them in every game. So um, I I don't like laying points with Cousins. And, and I've been on a good run with the Vikings as underdogs the last couple of weeks. Um, give me um, give me the Bears. Okay. And the final game is the football team. The football mm-hmm. team getting four. He can't be more disappointing. Like, I don't know, maybe if you're a Dallas fan, you think <laughs> the Cowboys are more disappointing. But the Washington football team has been just dreadful. They get four at Detroit. Detroit is a chronic loser. Detroit finds ways to lose every single game. The most empty statistics in all of football, even more empty than Phillip Rivers, are Matthew Stafford's statistics because they never win. They just don't, they don't, I don't mean they don't win any games. They don't ever win enough to make the playoffs to do anything. They just don't. At least Rivers has been in the playoffs a, a bunch Phillip, of times. He's a Philip Rivers of the NFC, though. He is yeah, just, man. you know, so what do you got? You know, you're not really fired up about the, this is the rematch of the 1991 NFC conference. I remember. I was at it. Yeah. I was at that game. I was at that game. I, yeah, that's I mean, a long time it's, ago. It's about the only memory that anything football team and Lions give you, right? Like that's Yeah, the, it's, the it's all there is. It was the second, second time they played that year, and this was a diminished win. But the first one was the opening game when I think they won 45-7. And this was who a plays, solid win. Who plays quarterback? I don't know. We don't want to watch Alex Smith play quarterback, do we? Uh... We, we, he's one small hit away from his leg falling yeah. off. Scary. I don't want to watch Scary. the game. You know, I'll yeah. be honest. If he's playing, it makes it. it I Nervous. Yeah, yes. It's, I, it doesn't. Uh, and it's not enjoyable. Four points. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Four points is a lot um, for, for Detroit, I think. Give yeah. me the football team. Yeah, this will be a field. Every game, these bad teams, they all play each other to a field goal, don't they? Oh, often, botched two point, yeah, botched two often, point conversions, field goals, I, you know, even with all their points, turnovers. Four points yeah, make, like a lot. Uh, you, you trust them with four? 
No, I don't trust either team in this case. Yeah. They're they're not good teams. They're not. They're really so not good when teams. You're, when you're in doubt, you take the underdog in the points, right? If you're in probably. doubt, probably you don't. You don't want to. Probably mean, certainly you lay in points with Matthew Stafford right now. No, and, no, and Patricia you can't. As coach, you can't. Not with the Patricia. Smart, he's on the way smart. out. I you know I don't know why. I they ought to at the moment. Sure. They ought to trade Patricia for Anthony Lynn and see if it works out for the other team. Let's see if it works out. Cause, hey, Anthony, at least those guys come to play every week. Yeah, and they lost a total of six games by a total of 24 points, which is remarkable, but they lost them all. They have a, they do have a crummy field goal. That field goal kicker. That yeah. And Justin lot. Herbert is Justin Herbert's very good, but what did I say the other day on TV? This isn't baseball. We're not going to give you the Cy Young at 10 and 9 because your <laughs> ERA is good. You have to win. Football is about wins and losses. There's the the uh, statistics don't matter. Wins and losses. So, you know, I don't like that team. Thank you, Chuck. We'll talk to you next week. Thank Get you, more Chuck. sleep. More yes, sleep. And if we only gave you Chuck Todd, that would certainly be enough. But we give you more. We just don't sing along anymore. I'm singing. <laughs> See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, If you sing, sing early. Nigel's going to the zoo. To zoo. Reginald's got the bike. By two. Sometimes he grows poo. Poo, poo, And he's had too much Johnny. Johnny Walker Blue. I think you're going to be late. I think you I think you got in on the first one. I think I was late on the Johnny Walker Blue. Yeah, I think you were late down the road. So what happened with Reginald this week, Nigel? Well, Mr. Reginald had a bad week. He's another another one and two week. Michael, what do you have Reginald for? Uh, overall? Overall. I think 11 and 16. Is that right? Yes, 11 and 16. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a disappointing season so far for, for Reginald. And when we have to issue, well, no, we, I have to issue a, a correction from the Kornheiser Show uh, decision desk. We had originally yeah. awarded a victory to Reginald. He was running to that uh, congressional seat uh, near Mankato, Minnesota. Yeah. Turns out the mail-in ballots had not been counted fully, so we're going to have to yeah. pull that off the board. And, in fact, he has lost to a gibbon named Hercules. So a tough count day. every count. ballot. Stop the count. Count every ballot. <laughs> yeah, so tough day for Reginald and for his campaign manager, Bud Grant. But they both took time <laughs> to uh, sit down with me and go over some okay. of these games. Um, the first game we gave him was Arizona giving two and a half, hosting Buffalo. And Reginald showed me a very interesting picture of him in line at an amusement park with Kyler Murray, neither one was able to get on the ride because neither one was tall enough to get on the ride. So yeah, clearly, they're, they're not big. Yeah, not and by big. the way, just because Kyler Murray is small doesn't mean he's not great because he he's really terrific. is. He's terrific. He's fantastic, as you guys he's are a, talking about. He's a baseball player. He's a baseball player, not a football player, and he's yes. built like a baseball player. You know, that's okay. Russell Wilson, See? baseball player, not football player, built like a baseball player. Happens. Yes. Uh, so he will take Arizona in that game. Now, the second game we gave him was um, Minnesota giving two and a half at Chicago. And this was a nice little uh, video he showed me of him traveling across country in an RV, of course, with Bud Grant, but also sure. with Keith, Keith Millard and with Anthony Carter. So he's got great ties to the Vikings, and he will take the Vikings and lay the two and a half. And okay. the last game we it's gave It's hard him, for me. I, I understand what Chuck says. But, I mean, you know, because I listen to Wilbon all the time, Wilbon is so down on the Bears now. <laughs> I, I look at Minnesota and Atlanta as rapidly improving teams. I think I, I'm, unlike Chuck, I think I would have given the two and a half on this. 
Go ahead. Well, the last the last uh, match we gave him was Detroit uh, at oh. home, giving four versus the Washington football team. And what a pot. Uh, <laughs> this was a lovely snapshot he showed me on his iPhone of him visiting Stonehenge with Wayne Fonts, Lou Whitaker, and Alan Trammell. And I think oh, Whitaker since Detroit. Yeah, so yeah. he's got t- yeah he's got ties to Detroit, so he will take the Lions and lay the four points in that match. Okay, that's all wonderful. We will take a break. We will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Butcher Box ad. I am personally happy to do this ad. I am a customer of Butcher Box. My daughter Elizabeth got me involved with Butcher Box, and once a month they send food to the house um we pay for it we you know we've gotten nothing peace of mind for me keep you out of the stores yeah it keeps me out of the stores and and we've we've gotten no deals and so there's describe a couple the, of deals describe here. the hamburger oh the hamburger is great I, do i have to i'll just read the top of this uh this thanksgiving today's sponsor butcher box is giving you something extra to be grateful for and it's and then it tells you to talk about things let me just talk about this I've never missed yet on grilling these hamburgers indoors or outdoors. I've never missed yet on the pork chops, grilling them indoors or outdoors. They send you a whole chicken. They send you chicken thigh. I mean, you can customize it. Uh, I also get the salmon. I get the salmon. Every single time I try to ruin this food, I don't. The food's (laughs) really good. You've not heard me say this before. It's really good. Every month, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to my home. It's true. I pay for it. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh. It's shipped frozen and vacuum sealed, so it stays that way. It's the best meat shipped right to my door. It's one less trip to the grocers. You're taking the words out of your mouth, Michael. Options like 100% grass-fed finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. It's the way meat should be. Um... It's an affordable, convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members a turkey for free in their first box. I didn't get that. I didn't get it. I mean, I've been doing this for months. I didn't get a turkey. Maybe somebody at ButcherBox is going to listen and send me well, a turkey. You can't store a turkey yet. That's an entire turkey for free in your first box. Just go to ButcherBox, B-U-T-C-H-E-R-B-O-X.com slash Tony. Do this. I'm I'm personally recommending this, and I didn't even ask for that in the ad. That's butcherbox.com slash Tony. And as always, use the code, people. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's the most thrilling of them all. It's the actual University of Missouri band, the marching band, playing that jingle. Makes me so happy. Knives, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, uh, we love Bethesda bagels. You will as well. Uh, several locations around the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. we got the bagels and lots and cream cheese today, but they've got great bagel sandwiches. Stop on in. You will be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, dear Mr. Fantasy, play us a tune, something to make us all happy. Do anything, take us out of this gloom, sing a song, play guitar, make it snappy. That is Steve Winwood singing. That was 
That was the the opening cut of the Mr. Fantasy album, yes, by Traffic. Yes. Yes. yes that was right. the one. <clears throat> yes. Thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands, Chuck Todd. Thanks to our sponsors, Lincoln Financial, ButcherBox, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, GooglePlayRadio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Ben, a sophomore at Georgetown University. I continue to be astounded by the connective tissue of this show. The last time Jeff Ma was on the pod, I thought to myself, Jeff, please never pick my god-awful Jets again, although you would have made money the other night. And right after, my fellow Littles filled your mailbag with emails urging him to heed the advice. The next time I heard from Jeff was last Friday, where he brought up my alma mater of Greenwich High, where I graduated from in 2019. I feel compelled to tell Jeff that the prep school in my town is actually Brunswick, who competes against schools such as Millbrook and Exeter, but he was certainly close, and we do have a great squad. On a separate note, I cannot wait to hopefully be back on campus in the spring, as I intend to found the Georgetown undergraduate Edith Saliza Association. I'm already <laughs> lining up guest speakers. I really hope I can get the guy who told him to stop breathing on Twitter to enlighten us. <laughs> Thanks to you and the crew for keeping us entertained. I will fund that time. group and supply the milk. <laughs> from Mike from Azerbaijan by way of Ellicott City. I wonder how many fat former water poloists would come out of the closet and inundate you with their memoirs this morning after that huge Jeff Ma revelation last show. I played too, but who cares, yada yada. Can our team, Charm City, be the official water polo team of the Tony Kornheiser show? If it happens, we promise to put Saliza's face on the front of our uniforms. You don't have to read my mail on the air. Just nod if you accept. Michael, am I nodding? nodding. I'm nodding. <clears throat> From Austin. Dear Mr. Kornheiser, while listening to the mailbag emails about you and Michael's disdain for Subaru, it hit me that my father, 70, is a Subaru owner. He and my mother live in the Appalachian, so at first I thought it was fair that they would buy an adventurous vehicle. But it has dawned on me that there may be more to it than that. It is a forest green, 2006 Subaru Outback, and has custom plates expressing their love for dogs. There are no stickers on it yet, but my parents have decided to install a rack on the top. What are the chances they would happen, just happen to install for no reason a roof rack? My theory is that this must be some sort of subliminal Subaru mind control. Maybe they work with the people from Lexus while designing the vehicle. Maybe the engine is tuned like a musical composition to elicit your brain to outfit your outback with stupid gear you don't need. I'm also worried that this could be genetic as I found myself shopping for a Jeep the other day. I live on Los, in Los Angeles. Why on earth would I be looking for a Jeep? P.S. My father hit a deer in the Subaru the other day, and the car is out of commission temporarily. My father is fine. My father and I used to listen to your show on the radio all the time when I was a little kid. And those memories of my dad, myself, and the bald orange man telling us about sports, all hanging out in the car are some of my favorites. Very nice. Very nice. From When Austin. you get the car back, check for the, check for the scratched Nalgene in the passenger well. Steve <laughs> Tabor, Fort Smith, Arkansas. I need help with a dilemma. I've listened to you for about 20 years, first on ESPN, then I found you on local radio via the internet and now on the podcast. It's where I learned years ago to call Dan Patrick the golden boy and to get annoyed when guests asked how I was doing. More recently, I've modeled my behavior after yours, wearing one old shoe and one new one, pushing my surplus socks on my son, yelling at my neighbors to walk their dogs on the other side of the street, ridiculing the copywriters of my sponsor's ads. That's all you. I'm not Steve the sycophant, but I'm Steve a sycophant. Now I learn I must hate all Subaru drivers. The problem is this. I learned that while behind the wheel of my 2019 Outback, what should I do? <laughs> Sell a car? Drive it ironically? 
wreck it and collect the insurance. I wait your guidance. <laughs> I will engage in self-loathing until I hear from you. Drive it ironically is so good. Liz sent you a great Subaru plate yesterday. Yes, yes. It had great numbers. Great numbers even for a Subaru. From Steve the Sycophant, a Veterans Day shout-out, Satchmo, to Mr. Billy Dar, a seventh-grade teacher at Rachel Carson Middle School in Fairfax County, and all the teachers and staff. Every Veterans Day, they invite a number of vets, me included, to speak to the students about our experiences. This year, unfortunately, it's not in person, but by Zoom. When I talk to the students, I always get a little twinge, thinking in just a few years, some of them will be serving on active duty and putting their lives on the line. I find it hard to believe that 50 years ago, I was halfway through my last tour in Vietnam. I keep hoping that we somehow can avoid getting involved in disastrous conflicts again and again, but I guess that's something for future generations to resolve. Best Veterans Day wishes to all, and especially the men and women on active duty keeping us safe. That's Steve Halter, Captain, U.S. Army. Goes by Steve the Sycophant. Very, very nice. Should I do one more? No, don't do one more. Okay. Then I'll wait for tomorrow. We have show tomorrow. I'll do one more tomorrow. All right? Live coverage of the first round. If you're out on your bike time, Hello, everyone, friends. as always, do wear white. Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscaping y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta.
And I'm not mad, I'm just confused Should I 